Welcome, everybody. This is The Get Back Show. My name is JP Green, a.k.a. Mr. Mo Better. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter as such. Uh, also, you can... I don't know y'all well enough to give you my government, <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. Um, and I just wanted to open with this, man. Today, I was at one of my favorite places grabbing some a snack, trying to eat right. I'm tired of carrying the suitcase I got on me. Uh, just trying to eat right. And when I walked in, uh, the manager of the restaurant was on the ground. He was on the ground and you could tell that he was he was writhing in pain. And everybody started running over there, but it's a lot of little ladies that work in there with him. And this is a pretty big burly guy. So I immediately ran over there to him and asked him if he was okay. I noticed he had a boot on, so I don't know if he had broken his leg or foot or whatever it was, but he was he was pretty bad off. Um so I picked I helped pick him up. And we uh, started to, uh, we, everybody came together and they were all concerned about him. And we got a little rolling chair to roll him to the office and uh, told him to make sure he, he got his foot up in the air and everything like that. And when I was on my way out, I went back to doing what I was doing. I was looking for a snack. And uh, I was on my way out of the store and one of the guys stopped me and he said, you're a very kind person. And as I walked out of the door leaving, that, that stuck with me. Um, you know, just it was something that I was taught to do. Uh, it's something that the majority of my friends, if, if something like that was to happen, that's what they would do was to go help. I'm pretty sure everybody sitting in front of me right now would do the same thing. And that just it stuck with me in the, in the sense that when do we stop being so kind to each other? Um, Gary Vaynerchuk has been saying for like the last couple of months that kindness is the key. Uh, and about three or four months ago, I, I have my own apparel line and kindness has no color was one of the things that came to me. I was reminded of that because I helped somebody on the train and it, it didn't matter what they looked like, who they were, what their orientation was. They needed help and I was able to help them. So I helped them. And that's what I wanted to open up with today is just that to remind everybody that it's it does the only effort that it only takes effort to be kind. It only takes effort. And you don't have to have a lot. You don't have to do a lot. Sometimes people just want you to speak to them or they need to be spoken to. That helps pick them up. You don't have to do what I did today and physically help somebody up. Sometimes it's just a kind word. It's the kind gesture, uh, leaving a note. All of those things are what makes us who we are. Kindness has no color. And I just want you guys to remember that as we move throughout the rest of the week uh, and throughout the rest of this year. Work on being kind. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to your family. Be kind to your friends. Be kind to a stranger. And so 
With that being said, we're going to be kind to you guys and give you a lot of information today. I have, uh, I would have to say some of the top people in the real estate, I'm just going to put it out there. I, I said last part, I said the last show that I'll put, I'll put my peers and the people I know up against anybody. So I'm just going to put it out there. I have some of the top people in the country in the real estate business uh, in front of me. And we just decided today we wanted to help set you guys in the right direction with the mortgage mindset, which is the topic of the show today, the mortgage mindset. And what I'll do is give you all an opportunity to introduce yourself uh, to our audience. Who wants to start? Hello, my name is Arthur Wimberly. I am a mortgage consultant, a senior mortgage consultant at Supreme Lending. I am my own entity, though. <coughs> he is his own entity. <laughs> my name is Jed Timmons. I'm a um, senior mortgage advisor, 17 years doing it. And um, I also am my own entity. I'm going to have to turn the bass down. <laughs> Hi, this is Delisa Rose with Remax Ambassadors. I've been in the business for 20 years, 16 years in Dallas. And I'm a real estate broker. My job is to transact and represent our clients in the largest investment and purchases they may make. And my name is Unique Honeycutt. I am currently um, just a real estate agent, just a little old agent with uh, Dash Realty. I am on a life insurance brokerage here in the Dallas um, area. And I'm also into uh, financial services for my clients as well. So hopefully I can add, add something to you guys. Oh, just being in the room, you add something to us right now. <laughs> so a little real, little old agent, and then I own my own insurance brokerage firm. Okay, then. <laughs> like how you slid that in there. Uh, little old agent. <laughs> um, so the premise for the the premise for the season, the premise and purpose of the season for the Get Back Show is entrepreneurship, and uh, all of our conversations have been centered around that. Uh, and that's been the conversation driver. So I, as I, I've done with the other, the other guests that we've had, that's, what, that's the question I'm going to ask you guys. What does entrepreneurship mean to you? Unique, if you want to start. Sure. Um, I think a perfect analogy is what you described earlier in your conversation. A lot of times we'll see people um, that have fallen uh, financially or emotionally or in, in other ways and um, unfortunately, unfortunately, there's not a lot of people that are run to their aid and help them and say, hey, man, guess what? You don't have to kill yourself at that job. Mm -hmm. You know, that job is not your source. Um, and that's where entrepreneurs are birthed from is just the idea of helping, like what you described earlier, and saying, hey, you know what? There's another way for you to make a good living for yourself without killing yourself, making someone else rich. I like that. Yeah. Got it too. It's, a, it's easier for me to, I think, sometimes say what entrepreneurship is is not, but I'm going to try to stick with your question in terms of what it is. Entrepreneurial, that group of people that want to set out and be business owners and run their, basically have control of their own fate, you know, take those risks, those risk takers, those innovators that um, want to think outside the box and go on. But a lot of times I think we think that entrepreneurship is just owning a business by title, but it's actually running a successful mm -hmm. business. And that means managing your taxes, you know, forming <laughs> your entity, doing your paperwork, being your, uh, learning to be a leader and managing your staff and your assistants and actually growing. So it's not just the ego and the pride of the title. I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a business owner, but actually running 
a business and operating a business um, successfully. Well, before we move, what is it not then? So it's an education process. So what is it not? (laughs) Well, what it's not is um, basically picking a name, dropping it on Facebook and not registering your paperwork. Mm -hmm. What it's not is not getting your EIN and not filing your taxes and saying that you made money or or didn't make money. What it's not is uh, answering your cell phone. You know, who is this? When you are running a business, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, you don't take unknown calls, but you're running a business. What it's not is uh, marketing that you do a service and not being able to provide mm-hmm. and take care of that service. What it's not is asking people to do business with you and not being able to provide them a contract, mm-hmm. awesome. you know, of wh- wh- what they're supposed to get, you know? So... I mean, I could kind of go on and on. What it's not is when you do something wrong, you know, sometimes you have to take a hit for yeah. the sake yeah, of customer service yeah. and say, I, I got to eat this. Yeah. You know, so. Well, we'll put a pin in that and come back to that because I think you got a laundry list over there of what it's not. <laughs> that was about to be a mixtape, boy. I heard it coming. She found that rhythm, too. What is, found that rhythm. Jet, what you got? Well, in similar terms, um, to me, entrepreneurship is a mindset. Mm-hmm. That's where it starts. Before we get into the business aspects, of, as far as um, taxes, how you run your business, how you be successful running your business, customer service, and so forth, number one, you have to have a mindset. Some people have it, and some people don't. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, when I work for a mortgage company, me and this other loan officer, it's the top two loan officers on the floor at this mortgage company. My mindset has always been, I'm going to learn this, I'm going to take the company's training, information, systems, everything I learned from this company. I'm going to be a sponge, and then I'm going to go out and do my own thing. So the other loan officer, he was, he was happy. He made well over six figures. Um, he, he didn't have the entrepreneur mindset. So as a matter of fact, he's still there. Now, don't get me wrong. He's very, very successful. Uh, you know, he's, he's very successful at what he does. But my mindset was, I want to do this on my own. So... It starts there. It starts with a, a idea. It starts with a training, um, getting wherever you get your training from, and then just going with it and doing your own thing and not being too afraid of the failures and so forth and just keep moving forward even though you're going to have those pitfalls. So it's safe to say that what you're expressing is that to be an entrepreneur, you have to have the growth mindset. Exactly. Because there's two mindsets. It's the fixed mindset which you spoke of your former coworker. He's comfortable where he's at, right. and he's not doing anything. The growth mindset is about realizing your potential and always adding to your potential, and you can do better, and there is more. Right, exactly, exactly. Arthur? Yeah, so basically the, everyone in the, in the room, I can I can already assure you now, I, th- th- it's just a lob. They just sent me a lob because well, it, it's going to vary per person, but everybody touched on a little bit of what it means to me. Entrepreneurship is self-reliant, being able to be self-reliant, being self-sufficient. You know, uh, it takes the mentality, the accountability, the the pitfalls, the ups and downs, but being a master of your craft. Mm-hmm. It's not for everybody. No. Everybody might want to think that they are an entrepreneur and it's OK. You don't have to be, you know, uh, like like Jet, the, the um, analogy that he just used. You know, you can be perfectly content with working in the position that as long as you're fruitful and you're happy, 
that's what it is to me. I want to do something that I'm passionate about and still be able to, you know, uh, prosper from it. So I've been, you know, it was something that was instilled in me as a kid, uh, um, watching my grandmother work for somebody else. Swore I would never do that. So, you know, it, it just goes hand in hand. There's a lot to uh, the word entrepreneurship that people shouldn't take lightly. You know, you, you need to respect uh, the word because it's not something that everybody is built to do. Definitely. It is a, I, I think that sentiment has been echoed across each panel that I've, I've interviewed is that it's not for the lighthearted. Uh, there's going, there can be some dark times uh, as well as, you know, you'll have downtime as well as ups. Um, but you, you have to, as Jed alluded to earlier, you, have, you really have to have the growth mindset because uh, you're going to take some L's, but those L's are not necessarily losses. They're lessons. Mm-hmm. You just have to, Take what you learned and apply it. So one of the things I've always, what I've talked about during this time is the free fall moment. And the free fall moment for us as entrepreneurs is, is that, that that minute, that, that second that you decide that you're going to jump, that this is it. I'm going beyond the edge. Um, and in that, you know, that's where we, we free fall. And one of the things why, why I got to that, the free fall moment was I posted something a couple weeks back, maybe about a month and a half ago, about when the next time that you feel like you're parachuting or skydiving with no parachute on, don't focus on the fact that you're free falling. Uh, focus on the fact, you know, learn how to fly, basically. And a lot of people, when they, they're so scared to go beyond the edge because all they can think about is the free fall. And even some of them get beyond the edge in their free falling and they get frozen, right? And they don't flap their wing. Like, try to fly. You know, learn how to fly. So what I want to ask you is, is we all have had that moment when we said, I'm going to do it. Right. I can't wait till I get back to him because I remember what his is. We had this conversation <laughs> offline a couple of weeks ago. So what was your free fall moment? Um, I think my free fall moment was probably um, when I had a really, really close friend of mine um, that used to bug me all the time. Um, And every time I put on a pair of pants, that friend was in those pair of pants. That friend's name is Lint. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was working my tail off, uh, trying to provide for my family, trying to make sure that all my I's and dotted and T's were crossed. And at the end of the day, I came in and all of a sudden I didn't have a job anymore. Wow. So I think that was the time at that time, I looked at it and said, man, how could they let me go? How could they let me go? I'm so good at what I do. Nobody else is better than, than I am. You know, I've learned this. I've developed these people. I've done that. But at the end of the day, I will still let go just like everybody else and offer mm. a little severance package. So <laughs> um, with that being said, that gave me an opportunity to really um, evaluate my situation. And I decided to take the road less traveled. Um, and it's paid off big time. So you uh, and 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 I guess it's you know the necessity of of saying I want more, right? Mm-hmm. I want more. I know that there's more out there. What was the first? I mean, after you after you said, okay, I'm sick of this. What was what was the next thing you did though? I think the next thing I did was I called a couple people um, that had already taken that leap, uh-huh. um, and I just asked them what their experience was like. Okay. And uh, they just gave me raw, uncut, unfiltered, transparent information. 
And um, a lot of what I heard I didn't really like. <laughs> to be honest with you uh, <laughs> Because I had one friend that said Man, I don't know if I should have done this This is, I might have bitten off more than I could chew But then I had other people that, that said You know what, Unique, it's hard at first But it gets a lot better later on And one thing about it It's almost like chopping down a tree If you chip away at that tree every day Eventually it's going to fall yeah. You know? You're from the country, ain't you? I am. <laughs> I'm from the country of Oak Cliff. <laughs> you, were you raised around your grandparents? I was. I could tell. Mm-hmm. I hear all of that old wisdom and they're chopping down the tree. <laughs> <laughs> what was your free fall moment? Look, I, I'm, I might be still falling and getting up and falling again, so I'm going to let the guys <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> what if... One of you guys, Art, Jet, Matt. A free fall moment with me, I was very young. You know, I, I've always had this drive. You know, it, it, it's, it comes with a lot of confidence that I was instilled uh, with. You know, it, it, it goes all the way back. So the free fall moment really is just my belief in myself and who I am. I know who I am. My drive is unmatched, you know. And so it was just more about educating myself and preparing myself for what's to come. So Whatever you're going to do, be the best at it. It's real simple. Be the most prepared person in the room. You know, all this, it starts with the simple mentality. It's always going back to the basics and the fundamentals. So I, I can't really put a finger on the first time that I, I just jumped off the cliff because it started so early. Um, once I had a family, I couldn't necessarily do it because you didn't got to have that insurance. Yeah. You know, but I always had a side hustle. Once my kids got to a certain age and was grown and self-sufficient, that's when I really dug in. So I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. I've always had these side hustles that that was always very successful. I've always been successful. I wasn't able to take it to the level to where I'm at now. When until. did you start your first business? That's the story. And, I'm yeah, yeah. For. Okay. So yeah. So it was it was really simple for me. At ten years old, I you know I had a lawn care business. Okay. This is I crazy, had a, right? I had a lawn care business and a paper route. And this is no joke. I had a yard that they was taking full advantage of me, guys. It was a half an acre. They was char- I was charging ten, fifteen dollars, you know, for this half an acre. Real talk. You know, it's in the summer. I had four cousins. We all <clears throat> we all grew up together. So I started cutting this yard every week. That went to two yards, three yards. I understand that. Hey, you know, I understand that you're cutting yards. Can you come cut my yards after the other one? So I would start Saturday mornings at seven o'clock in the morning. And what I realized uh, is that once I started a yard, I could get my cousin to finish that yard and I can go start on another yard. And then I get another cousin to come finish that yard. Then I started on another yard. So as they're doing the work, I would go out and get yards. So I would sell the service as they were doing the work. I knew I had some there because I picked up a paper route on the side. I had a friend of mine, Kendrick. He's one of my best friends. He lives here now. Very successful young man. He was doing this paper route, but he just got tired of doing it. You know, it wasn't fruitful for him. You know, it was a grind for me. I was like, it it, it was kind of a hustle. I I liked it. I was excited about it. I got to go to old people's house and and charge 35 cents for the Black Chronicle. And and so... um, (laughs) I, I started doing that. I wanted to expand my route, so I got one of my little cousins to to do a certain uh, portion of the little town that we grew up in. And when it was time to re- redo the subscriptions, well, I would go to each customer to make sure 
the, the subscriptions was, was uh, filled, but then I would have him deliver the paper. So I would split the cost with him 50-50, same thing on the yard. So, you know, I grew that business up to having 15, 20 yards. Mm. I was 13 years old, you know. And so, but it had it was it was just a mindset. It was a mentality. I didn't do it for the money. I did it for the entrepreneurship. I was excited about, you know, having a business, you know, and um, I didn't even look at it as a business. I just looked at something that was my own, yeah. that I could di- dictate, you know, who I worked for. I mean, who worked for me and the hours I put in and, and you know, what I would do with my own money. So I would give that money to my grandmother. Real spit. I would give her give her the money because it, I wasn't, it wasn't about the money. It's not about the money now. If you're in a business and it's all about the money, you're in the wrong business. You're not passionate mm-hmm. about that business. Yeah. I'm in the mortgage business because I love putting people in houses. What's more rewarding than putting somebody in a house that wasn't educated enough to know how to, to, to buy a house originally? That's something that we weren't taught. So, you know, so that's that's how it started. It's, it started at a very young age, man. I love that story. He had employees at 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Jet? Uh, My exact free fall moment. Um, I was at Wells Fargo. I was a retail loan officer. And um, a guy that I knew called me. He said, Jet, I want to price this loan out with you. And so he gave me the scenario, gave me the the loan amount, the interest rate. I mean, the uh, credit score of the bar and so forth. So he goes, well, what's your interest rate? And I said, well, my interest rate at the time, or, you know, this was years and years ago. I uh, said, so my interest rate was 5.625. And he said, okay, on this, on this loan size, how much money would you make? And I said, depending on what tier I'm at, if I'm in the top tier, then I would make probably about $1,100 on this loan. So he says, well, my interest rate is 4.875. And I'm going to make... $5,200 on this loan. And I said, well, how are you going to do that? And this is what got me. He said, I'm going to do the loan with Wells Fargo. I said, how are you going to do the loan with my company that I work for? You're going to get a better interest rate and you're going to make three times, four times more money. And he said, I'm on, I'm on a broker side. I'm on a wholesale side. He said, you're a retail loan officer. People come to you, they're shopping at Walmart. People come to me, they're shopping at Sam's Wholesale Club. And so... At that moment, I was like, I could do this my own. I could do this myself. I got the training. I've been, you know, I'm, I'm a good loan officer. I always had a pretty good mouthpiece on me. So I was like, I'm going to do it on my own. And I always had a mindset. It's a motto that I have. It says, um, no hunt, no kill, no kill, no eat. Mm-hmm. And so I always had the mindset of, I always want more. I'm going to go hunt more so I could kill more, so I could eat more. Mm-hmm. And that's where it started. I, I, I worked at Wells Fargo about two more weeks, finished out my pipeline. I got on the broker side and you're, I'm self-sufficient and I'm, I got to go out and get my own business. But I enjoy that. How, and, long, how long ago was that? Um, let's see. I started the mortgage business right, right after the terrorist attacks in 2001. That was 2003. Oh, three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably we're going to be over here. Um, I've been entrepreneurial minded probably since since my yay days. Um, you know, we started nightclubs. I was a president, and I said, "Wait a minute, I'm I'm fundraising for my school. <laughs> I can rent a hall and 
you know, bring in Tupac and make some real money. Um, I'm from Oakland. So okay. Oaktown. Oh, uh, yeah, the Bay. You from the Bay? Yes, yes. yes. So, um, all righty. Um, so everything from Jeffries to Echelon to Broadway to the Romper Room. The East, East Oakland. East Side. <laughs> <laughs> um, seminary. But anyway, um, so definitely I think your environment makes you um, hungry. Um, however, I think I free fall every day when mm-hmm. I see somebody that doesn't have, you know, what they should have. Mm-hmm. I free fall when I go through South Dallas and I free fall when I see people getting, you know, evicted. I, I free fall when I see, you know, like you said, this kindness. Kindness has no color. Um, and the problem that we have in the world, I think, is, is, is green. I mm-hmm. think money is it. And real estate is the key to making that change, you know. Um, and there are people that because of personality, because of skills, they may only be a janitor. They may only be, not only, but they may be the best janitor. They may be the best bus driver. They may be the best instructor. They may be the best whatever, but their salary is going to be capped. Mm-hmm. But real estate is what allows people that that wealth and that freedom to allow them to pay their their kids' tuition and things like that. So I honestly free fall every time I wake up in my home that with my kids that are arguing with me because they don't have a, a PSP 10, you know, or the iPhone 10, mm-hmm. you know, and they're only messing with the iPhone 8. And yet I have to cross the street and see somebody else that that doesn't have it. And it makes me go harder because I know that we're here for some purpose, regardless of what it is. And at the end of the day, what do we do? You know, what do we do? Because uh, yeah. I'm good. You know, you're good. You're good. I mean, we could all be better. But coming from where I come from, I'm good. Yeah. But that's that free fall that makes you go harder every day. Um, that makes you say, let me let me build in South Dallas. So we build affordable homes in South Dallas and Oathliff. You know, um, let me train other agents to to really get up and, and get this and represent their clients. Yeah. You know, but that's that free fall every day. I'm still free falling. I like that. Every day. I do too. That's a great segue into the next question, though. Um, was your decision to pursue a career in the mortgage uh, business was it based on purpose or profitability? People before profit. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> it, it was. It was definitely based uh, on profitability. It, it was. Um, I never forget this. I was in the furniture industry. I had been very. I was always been sales. Uh, I kind of like dead. I've always had this gift of gab. And it wasn't that. It was just more of I like talking to people. I just love talking. I just love people in general, mm-hmm. you know. And so I was uh, I was capped out. I had done very well in the um, um, in the furniture business. It was a family owned business. OK, so I was only going to get to a certain level. And I knew that. OK, I could have stood there. It was great. You know, took care of my family, had great times. They loved me. You know, so on and so forth. But I was ready to move on. And one of my clients, one of my clients had introduced me to the mortgage business. I just told him, hey, listen, I was looking, you know, I'm looking to leave. I'm going to introduce you to another salesperson. They had been, you know, with me four or five years. I'm going to introduce you to another salesperson that's going to take care of you. And they said, what are you going to do? I said, well, I got a job at Wells Fargo. I got a job at Wells Fargo at the time. They said, hey, listen, uh, my husband owns a mortgage company. I want you to I want him to call you. He knows you. You know, he had mentioned you before, uh, you know, how great of a salesperson you were. So, you know, give him a call. Gave him a call. He gave me an opportunity. 
And um, I never forget this. And I kind of get, you know, I kind of get emotional about it because my first deal was with a little black lady that had all had everything you needed to buy a house. She was 67 and this was her first house. Wow. wow. Lack of education. It was just lack of education of what it required to purchase a house. She was terrified. Stellar credit, strong 401k. She'd been working the same job. You know, the job wasn't a great job, but she was able to save her money. And, and we cried at that table. <laughs> Ever since, that's what it's been about for me. The money's been great. Trust me, I've been making six figures pretty much since I was 28, 29 years old. It wasn't about the money. If, if you could get somebody, you, you are building relationships for life. I have customers that I've, you know, go back seven, 18. I've been doing this for 14 years that still call me asking for refinances. I got out of the business for seven years. They still call me. Hey, listen, I'm doing a refi. This, Jed is my little brother, if y'all didn't know that. You know, he, I, not blood, but we're really close. And I was sending to him. I was out the business. I was sending to him because I trusted what he would take care of them. So, so basically it's bigger than us. You know, this whole industry is a huge industry, you know, and it's not just like the, the young lady was saying, real estate is, is a huge key. It's a huge factor. Um, that's how I know unique, you know, we go back, we did business. I recognize her drive. I surround my people, myself with those type of people. And that's how I got in it, and that's how I've been so successful in it. But, you know, there's multiple steps to this. You know, this is a, the, the small, I call it the, the smallest, biggest industry in the world. You know, it's the same thing. So now you own a house. Let's look at some rental properties. So let's, let's look at some, you know, some residual income. Let's start flipping houses. You know, this, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of different uh, uh, spaces in the industry that are untapped, you know, that, you know, that, it's better than the stock market to me. I mean, it, I mean, it's real estate's always going to be there. It's going to fluctuate up and down, but it's always going to be there. You're all every dime that you put in real estate, nine times out of ten, you're going to get back. So it's not about the money. It's more about the security because the real estate is always going to be there, you know. But at the same time, you're getting the opportunity to to help and educate others. You know, I do uh, home buyer seminars for free. I go to you know South Oak Cliff and and some of the other areas and tell them about bond money. I specialize in buying money. There's there's millions of dollars allotted for down payment assistance that nobody even is even talking about. You mm -hmm. know, if you got a certain credit score, it only requires a six forty. If you don't have a six forty, I can get you to a six forty. You know, mm -hmm. to where they you can pay they'll pay five percent towards your closing costs. If you if you are getting five percent in bond money towards your closing costs, and this young lady over here that works for Remax, I have her. I say, hey, I need you to write this contract, and and unique have have them write this contract and include three percent contribution from the seller. Then guess what? I'm gonna get you in a in a house with no money out of your pocket. You know, and and people just don't know that first responder programs. If you are a fireman, if you are a medic, you're a paramedic. If you're the secretary at the school, educator programs that there there's bond money for them. Nobody talks about that. You know, so I I look for the different niches that I can help my people. You know, or help people in general, yeah. not just my people, but people in general. That you know that there's multiple multiple facets to the industry. That's why I say you have to educate yourself. Yeah. You know, you should always be reading some, regardless of what your craft is. It doesn't even have to do, it doesn't necessarily have to be what the professionals that we have in this room, 
just whatever it is, and you call yourself being an entrepreneur, and you need to educate yourself on a consistent basis. If Warren Buffett reads five hours a morning, and he's one of the most wealthiest people in the world. Five hours a morning before he even starts his day, but you know, in in his work world, educating himself. Then what are we doing? Doesn't make sense. Yeah, true that. Purpose of profitability. Uh, initially, initially was uh, profitability. Um, I had, I remember I, I got out the Marine Corps, and uh, my first sales job was selling timeshare, and. <laughs> When I got the Marine Corps, when I got the Marine Corps, I was like, man, if I could just because I had a I had a wife and I had a new baby, and um, I was like, if I could just get to the point where I can make three thousand dollars a month, I'm straight, right? I was like, that was my my goal to make three thousand dollars a month. So I started selling timeshare, um, and I was, my first year I made six figures, and I, would, I that's when I knew I was good at sales, right? <laughs> That's when I knew I had the personality because I'm like to piggyback what Arthur said. I'm a people person. I never meet a stranger. Um, I love being around people. I love talking to people and so forth. So um, that's one of the character, main characteristics of being a good salesperson, right? So selling time share taught me so much. I've been to every Tom, Dick, and Tracy seminar, sales coach Tony. Rock. I've been in all of it, but that timeshare sales training was actually the best sales training I've ever had. So terrorist attacks happen. No point in tenant, but it killed the timeshare business, right? Nobody mm-hmm. wants to travel. Nobody wants to get on airplanes, so forth. So during that time, I, I, I develop a habit where everybody I meet, I ask them what they do. So what do you do for a living? And instead of being, and I'm pretty transparent and, and straightforward, instead of saying, well, how much money you make? <laughs> I would say, what do you do for a living? And then can you make good money at that? And then they would tell you, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm good. Yeah, you know, six figures and so forth. And so... I met these two guys that were selling mortgages, and it was July. Um, they had shorts and T-shirts on. It's like 12 o'clock on a Tuesday. They said, well, we're not going back to work. I was like, wait, wait what? What happened? You're not? <laughs> and you, would, you wore that to work? Like, so, well, we don't have a dress code or anything like that. So I said, can you make good money at that? And, he, and one of the guys says, um, well, I'm at uh, 167 year to date. And the other guy was like, well, I'm at about 180 year to date. And I was like, it's July. <laughs> like, we got six more, six more months left. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I'll probably do about 300. I was like, wow. So I made sure I got their cards, right? And then I got it. I, when when um, I quit the timeshare business, I called. I said, man, just give me the interview. I said, just give me the interview. I'll get the job. And so long story short, I got the interview, sold my butt off in an interview, um, hired me on the spot. I pretty much made him hire me on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started in, in the mortgage business. And, it, 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 you know, you got to build your pipeline and so forth. And then I, you know, started making, you know, really good money. Um, that was the initial part, the profitability part. But the, the other part where you just learn to truly love what you do, you yeah. learn to... Uh, just appreciate the value that you could bring to somebody is when I did a loan for a lady. Uh, it was a California loan. It was a big loan. It was like $800,000, right? So she was about to lose her property because she had tax liens. It was a, um, a four-unit complex that her family owned for years. So she had $80,000 in back taxes. She had thousand or $70,000 in uh, credit card debt. She was completely underwater, right? Her credit score is 433. 
her mid score was 433, right? So um, there's a mortgage company back in the day, of course, it's a subprime market where they didn't care about the credit score. As long as you've been, uh, as long as you made your mortgage payments on time for 12 months, then they will refinance, right? So all of her other debt was severely, you know, in a derogatory state on the credit bureau. But her mortgage payment was on time. Credit score is 433. I refinanced her. She, and she didn't, she had a lot of equity in home. I paid all of her tax liens off. I paid all of her credit card debt off. Um, this loan saved this lady $5,000 a month. It saved her property. And then I said, just do what I tell you to do. I promise you, I'm going to get you out of this 9% interest rate because it's, it, you know, it's 433 going to be a high interest rate, right? So um, she followed my instructions to the T. Uh, six months later, her credit score went from 433 to 627. I refinanced her, no closing costs, refinanced her, got out of 9% interest rate to a 6% interest rate. Hmm. And then eight months after that, her credit score went from 627 to, she was 719. And then I refinanced her, uh, no closing costs again, got it from the 6% interest rate into a 4% interest rate. And when I tell you this lady cried on the phone, mm -hmm. when I tell you that she referred me to everybody she came in contact with, and this loan completely changed her financial life. So when I saw that, that loan right there had such an impact on me to where I'm like, Yes, I can make good money, but like Arthur said, it's not about the money. Mm -hmm. it's, it's no better feeling than being of value to somebody. Yeah. I do a lot, I see it all the time. I do home buying seminars and so forth. People just don't know. They don't. They, they don't, don't know. know. The questions, when I started doing home buying seminars, the questions I would get, I was like, man, I was like, people just don't know. So on my Facebook page, I always put these little jettas and see the mortgage tips or, or credit tips or something. And I, I just try to get the information out there because you don't know what you don't know. But the flip side of that is you pay for what you don't know. Mm, You're paying somebody else mortgage for 20 some years where you could have been paying your own mortgage mm -hmm. and building equity and so forth. And so, yes, to answer your question, it started off profitability and then when I realized the value that I could bring to people, that's what does it for me. That's when you became the financial magician? Yes. Financial <laughs> physician. <laughs> physician. Physician. <laughs> Hashtag Jetism. There you go. What about you? Always people before profit. If 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 it started off with profit for me, I'd I'd, I'd be <laughs> real good. But um, you know, I'm I'm people is my kryptonite. That's my kryptonite, period. Um so it's so always, always people. And uh, you're absolutely right. People, I'm with them too, but people don't know what they don't know. And as a realtor, it's, it's our job to know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's our job to put their interests first before our own. And uh, I take that very seriously, you know, okay. but but people before profit. Definitely. Always. That's, what about you, Unique? Well, I'd love to say people before profit in the beginning. <laughs> We're talking about the beginning, right? Not, 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 not now. Okay, yeah, good. You're going back to Lynn, right? Yeah, yeah, going back to Lynn. I'm going back to Lynn. Lynn was my friend. Um, uh, I would have to say that initially it was profit. Gotcha. Um, it was profit um, probably for about the first six months um, mm -hmm. when I first got on my, out on my own uh, just because I knew that the rent still had to be paid at the building. Mm -hmm. that I was with. I knew I had to make sure that I trained my agents and that was going to require me to take a pay cut. Uh -huh. um, so 
initially it was it was profit. Um, now I can say um, it, it's all about the people. It's all about the people. Yeah. Um, just yeah. like she said, um, you. I think as you stay committed to something. And you keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep getting better at it and you keep getting better at it. You know, you can't um, you can never go back to where you were when you first started your business. Oh, no. You know, growth is an is a is a process that we all have to go through if you decide that you want to continue to be self-employed or Mm -hmm. continue to be an entrepreneur. See, it's easy to just say, oh, I just want to have my own business. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to do that and to write down all your goals. And every day you're looking at your goals and every day you're tracking things and all of that stuff. But the commitment that it takes, nobody wants to talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know? that I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's a word right there. That, that is a word. That's That'll awful. preach on any day. <laughs> it is. I, I think that that commitment is is execute, right? It's the execution because every day you have to be willing to get up and do what it takes. Um, and a lot of people don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they get burnt out or they experience, they go through an experience where they take a loss or something like that. And man, it's just like, the, you know, you guys spoke to early. You you have to have that mindset that you're going to get back up and keep it moving. Mm-hmm. So it, it the next part was about um, really just if you guys have found, you know what your purpose is. But it seems like that everybody on the panel, you you know what your purpose is. You found your purpose. Um so I don't want to get too far without asking this question because really this is the whole reason I, I did season one is about entrepreneurship. So how does one become a loan officer, loan officer or a realtor or uh, get into the business period? You know, whether it be an LO or loan officer, let me not use uh, <laughs> uh, industry jargon. Um, how does one become a loan officer? And uh, and for on the real estate side, how does one become a realtor? Anybody can pick up that question and start off. Well, to, to become a, uh, first of all, to be a, a, a mortgage, I'm going to speak to the mortgage side. I can't speak to the, the real estate side. I, I do have a real estate license, but I speak to the mortgage side. First of all, you got to have a passion for it because it's not easy. You know, mm-hmm. it's really not easy. Uh, but of course, uh, I'd say you would educate yourself and then you have to take, um, uh, a 20 hour, is it 20 hours now? I think it's a 20 hour uh, state and national licensing exam. So you have to take the 20 hour course in order to be qualified for the, you got to take the course and pass the test in order to take the national exam. Okay. The next, the national exam, um, go down to a testing center. Uh, it's 125 questions. Got to make at least a 75 on that particular test, okay? Also, to be a mortgage loan officer, and I think realtor as well, a couple, couple of caveats, a couple of things you do, you cannot have. You cannot have a criminal record. You, mm-hmm. This is a finance business, so you can't have any felonies. Uh, you know, if you do, you have to get them expunged. Uh, there's way around, ways around it, but it takes, some, you know, some documentations, and, and they have to forgive you or not. Um, what a, I should know all this. It, I have Jet to help me with this as well. But you have to take the 20-hour course, pass that course, pa- pass the national exam. Um, you can't have any, it can't have a bankruptcy in the last, I think, five to seven years. You have to have, you know, your credit has to be in order. Uh, you don't have to have perfect credit, but you can't, you shouldn't have any uh, abused accounts. What I mean by that is, you know, multiple lates or multiple things. Uh, they do. They do take a look at that. Um, 
What yeah, are, just to piggyback on that. Um, yeah, Arthur's exactly right. You have to have, um, they're going to do a background check. So before FBI background check. Yeah, FBI <laughs> thorough FBI background investigation. Uh, before the subprime market crashed, Prior to that, you didn't need a license. I mean, I literally knew people that was getting out of prison, becoming loan officers and <laughs> making a lot of money. Um, and then you fast forward like five or six years, then we have the crash, right? So it was a lot of unethical business going on in the uh, subprime market. Not just on our, the lower level side. The, no, the, it was all the, the way up the chain. It was oh, all the way up. I mean, if you go fog a mirror, you can get a mortgage loan. If you if you had a 620 credit score, um, you can get qualified for any mortgage that you wanted. Mm-hmm. They do stated income. I saw a loan get passed one time. Uh, the lady was a housewife. She didn't she didn't work. She got approved for eight hundred thousand dollar house. No job. They the the loan officer not me or not <laughs> not one of my loan officers. Um, they labeled her a domestic engineer. And said that she made $10,000 a month and her loan flew through underwriting because she had a 620 credit score. So let's fast forward now. That can happen. So you, there's a, you, have, you take the test, you study, you take the test, you pass it. Um, you have to do the credit check. They're looking for collections, uh, recent collections. If your credit is not up to par, their mindset is how are you going to how are you going to educate bars or, or get people in houses when your credit is not up to par? So um, you might have to write some letter of explanations and so forth. Uh, FBI background investigation, fingerprints and so forth. Now, once you've done all of that, you have one or two ways to go. As a matter of fact, if you go if you go to a depository institution like a big bank, uh, Chase, Wells Fargo, uh, one of those big banks, then you don't even need a license because you're you're they're, they're, you're under their umbrella. Yeah, they have a, a huge license. Then you're under you're covered under their umbrella. They just need to hire you and so forth, right? But to be a a, a registered a registered mortgage loan officer, you have to have a license, and then you could go work for another. A, a, you can either work for the depository institution or you can go work for you know a another shop. So pretty much any, anywhere you, that license get, gets you, it has a, t- it's a basically a ticket to, to go wherever you want to go. And so, um, and then you just have to choose which, which is the right place for you. Um, mm-hmm. There's so many different shops out there. So many different avenues you can take okay. to be a loan officer. Uh, in 17 years, I worked all of them from yeah. sitting at a desk, having to talk on the phone eight hours. That's timed. Like you have to be on the phone eight hours. Mm which means you have to work 10 hour days, right? Mm-hmm. So, exactly. So, um, to the, you know, the big box shop where you're in a, you know, cookie cutter environment, you're in a bunch of cubicles and so forth, and you just, you're an order taker. You're, you're an order taker, which means that you just, the phone ring, you pick it up, and then you sell it, or you price out the loan, and you never talk to the customer again. It goes to processing and so forth. The flip side to that is what the position um, Arthur and I are in, on this side, you have to be a professional. You have to be a true professional. You can't be an order taker. It's a, it's a different mindset. It's a different skill base. It's a different uh, type of knowledge that you have to obtain because I'm carrying the loan from the beginning all the way to the end, and I'm the face of the loan, right? Mm-hmm. So if something goes awry, I'll give you a perfect example. It just happened to me yesterday. I got a loan 
where this lady, this couple was pre-approved for a $300,000 house. The loan officer at this other company gave them a pre-approval letter. They built a $300,000 house, took them five months to build it. A week before they were supposed to close, their loan got denied because her debt-to-income ratio was way too high. So the realtor calls me. I, I call myself Captain Save Alone. If I can't do it, it can't be done, right? <laughs> so the realtor calls me. It's like, hey, Jed, I need you to, I need you to save this loan. What happened, when I looked at it, when I analyzed their tax returns, they should have never, they can't afford to, a $300,000 house. They should have never been issued a three, that uh, pre-approval letter. Right. So guess what, guess what happens? They lost the, the uh, inspection money, $300. Wow. They lost the appraisal money that they, because they had the, the house appraised and everything, uh, $500. And then they, they lost their $2,000 earnest money. So $2,800 that they spent trying to get this house and they end up with nothing. No money, no house. Um, I pre-approved them for a $200,000 house, which they're, you know, which they're actually approved for. And uh, um, we just, we, I just got an email earlier that they just found a house for $200,000 house. So on this side, you have to be, it's, it's so much responsibility. You have people's lives at hand. Like, oh, yeah. I've, I've seen it where there's people living out of a hotel, all their furniture's in a U-Haul truck. Um, they can't register their kids for school because they don't have a permanent residence or permanent address. It's, it's like, that's the difference. So you could, you could get your license, go to the retail side or the big box shop and be, you know, order taker, which is not bad. That's a good avenue because you, it's a good way to learn. Right, yeah. But then when you, when you want to come on this side, it's a, it's a different ballgame. Gotcha. <laughs> Anybody want to real estate? Real estate, real estate. Um, how to get started in real estate? <laughs> or what, what was the question? How to be a, how to be a realtor? Yeah, uh, being a realtor and being a successful realtor <laughs> and Multiple being realms. a yeah. business owner of a your real estate self to is, is all the, different. But yeah, to, to, to get, get into to get the in, game, yeah. Um, to get in, you basically should uh, review your state requirements um, on what the state requires. Um, you're definitely going to need some education, and you can get that education um, typically across the country from Kaplan's or Champions. Um, Kaplan's is pretty much across the country. Champ- Champions is in a couple of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend that if you have a background of any type, misdemeanor C, you know, um, anything fraud, that you ask to um, to apply for a long story short, you can you can do an application to do a character review. So before you spend money in Texas, it's approximately eleven hundred dollars for those classes. So before you send the money, you can basically do a character application for about twenty twenty five dollars. They will do the background check, the finger check, fingerprint check, and let you know what you need to clear or if you will be approved, provided that you pass the test. Gotcha. Um, take those classes at. Kaplan, um, if you have any college education, get your transcript because the transcript in your college education can knock down some of the requirements that you have to take. Mm-hmm. So then uh, turn in your your transcript, figure out how many units you need, which ones are mandatory. In Texas, you're going to have to have principles of real estate, uh, agency, law, and probably finance. You may have to have two or three others depending on some credits that you have. But that those are basically the requirements to kind of get into real estate. If you have a real estate license in some places, you may have reciprocity in other states. 
Um, but kind of going a step further, before you become one of those 1.5 million realtors and 80% get out of the business within three years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there's a reason for it because it's not really for everybody. But um, the ABCs, I would say, you know, attitude, believe that you can do it and commit. But that commitment may look a little bit different. And just a couple recommendations. Check Check yourself. Um, check yourself. Because you want to make sure you have the self-discipline because you don't have a boss. So you don't, mm-hmm. you don't have a boss telling you, get up, uh, do your work, call the person back, follow up. And that freedom may not be good for everybody. Um, check your work ethics. You know, are you self-motivated? Are you self-disciplined? Do you have a good attitude? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses in your everyday work ethics? And I, I would honestly say check your personality type, too. Because I think that certain personalities are great for sales. Not that all personalities can't be great for sales, but some may need to be developed a little bit more depending on the type of sales industry that you're in. Because we're not selling gasoline and we're not selling, you know, um, staples. You know, we're really selling real estate, but not just that. You're dealing with people that are in a very emotional state mm-hmm. that are dealing mm-hmm. with their money that may have just died or divorced or all kind of stuff. So um, check your driver, your driver, are you aggressive, are you a bully? Um, can you negotiate, you know, against people that are yelling and screaming and trying to trying to punk you? <laughs> For lack of a right. better word, you know, That's are you social? Right <laughs> can you network? Can you go out and and talk to people? Are you do you get social and do you get anxiety and when you have to network and grow or in your in groups? Um, there's those analytical and detail oriented type of people where it must go by the book. And if you move the staple to the left or the right, they freak out. And mm-hmm. contracts and people do not work like that. So things are supposed to go a certain way, but they don't necessarily go that way. And then honestly, check your finances because for real estate, realtors are supposed to put their clients' best interests first. You know what I mean? So if you have a client that's in a bad deal, that's having a bad house, that that the, the seller's not preparing to negotiate the repairs and you have a car note and a mortgage and everything else do, can you tell that client, you got to walk. If, they, if they're not going to make this happen, we have to walk. You have to be in a position to not put that money first when you're trying to advise the clients on what's best for them. So I would mm-hmm. honestly say be in a good financial position where you understand that it's not about you and what check is on the table um, and I say that even when I give business to my loan officers, you know, if I have a loan officer and I know that they charge a certain processing fee every single time, you know, then that's that processing fee every single time. So all of a sudden when it's right before the first of the month and they're giving me a CD, an estimated closing disclosure, and now they're charging a $1,500 origination fee, you know, and two points and everything else. I'm like, whoa, you know, um, so that would be my information, but definitely attitude, believe you can do it and commit to what you set out to do and be persistent in it, but check those things first. Okay. That's good information. I mean, I'm going to echo the same thing that everybody else said. I think that a lot of times whenever we go into business or we think about having that entrepreneur mindset, a lot of times we don't really know what we're getting into. So the fear paralyzes us. And what happens is you find yourself 
you know, I'm also a trader, so I trade foreign currency. And we have a a, a, a phrase that we call um, uh, analysis paralysis, okay, oh, yeah, yeah. where you're constantly analyzing something over. You're looking at the charts over and over and over again. And, never and, move. and you never do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you never do anything because you're spending so many, so many hours and so many days trying to figure out, you know, how am I not going to be a realtor? You know, how, how am I not going to be a loan officer? Um, so I would just say three things. Make a decision. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. Um, if you haven't made a decision to be an entrepreneur, to be a realtor, to be a loan officer, whatever it is, make that decision first. Then, just like she just said, commitment. It's going to take a lot of commitment to do this. I mean, none of these, there's nobody here that can sit here and say, you know what? It's just been nothing but great stuff every day, all day since I've had this license. Doesn't happen that way. And then the third thing is, don't look for other people to validate what you're doing because they won't. And no. you'll be disappointed. Mm-hmm. So all day long. How important is how important is mentorship? <laughs> mentorship is very important. Especially for growth. You know. Uh if I always tell you know myself and I tell my friends, uh, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to change the room. You you need to get out that room. You know, that's it's it's key to uh to growth. Everyone needs a mentor, you know, absolutely. Whether, you know, and I I like to say that you have one that you have actually uh, asked to commit to mentoring you. You know, a lot of times you can, you can find mentorship online anymore. You know, you can just follow somebody that, you know, that you believe want to follow a cycle of has success in doing the things that you want to do. But, you know, if you want to commit to your business, like we're talking, talking about here, and, and commit to growth and being the best that you can be in, in the field of what you're doing. And then you want a mentor that can guide you to that direction and guide you in that direction. Definitely. Anybody else? Have- I think um, mentorship is a, is a cheat sheet. It's pretty <laughs> like much what it, it is. It's a, it's a cheat sheet. So you have, somebody that's, you have somebody that's where you're trying to go telling you how they got there. So it alleviates a lot of pitfalls, a lot of headaches, a lot of sleepless nights and stress because you're not making the same mistakes that they're making. So it's like if you're going through a maze, right, and you have to go through this obstacle and it's a maze. You don't know which way to go, right? But if you see somebody that's coming out the end of the maze and then you're able to talk to them and they say, well, when you get to this point, go right, don't go left. Keep going about five feet, make a left, then make a right, right, left, and two more lefts, and then you'll be out. Guess how much time you saved? Guess how much stress you saved? So basically, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cheat sheet. It's, um, and, and you have to have it. You, you can't be, have, you can't, your ego can't be so big where you're like, oh, I'm just going to learn everything on my own. <laughs> or I'm just going to, you know, I don't need a mentor. Or, or I don't want to learn from nobody else. Or, you know, because realistically, we, we, we all are in a very, very competitive environment, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't want to share their information, right? A lot of people don't want to share their, their strategies and, um, that they use and learned over the years to become successful as they are. So when you find somebody that's good at what they do, make, first of all, make sure you have a good mentor. Uh, you find somebody that's, that's very, very successful in the industry that you're in, then be a sponge, like, and that's how I've, you know, everywhere I've went, I've, whether it be a big box shop or wherever, I find out who's the top loan. When I started this mortgage business, I'm like, who's the top loan officer? 
That's who I want to train me. I don't want this guy training me. He closed like one loan last month, <laughs> right? This guy closed 15 loans last month. I want him to train me, right? Because if the guy that's training you that did one loan, guess how many loans are you going to do? One. One, right? So um, it's, it's, you, it's, it's a necessity. Um, I think that in any industry, not just real estate, in it's any not. industry, mm-hmm. even life period, like you, you need that third-party voice. You need that that extra instruction or that extra guidance to help you um, navigate to where you want to go and alleviate all of the the downfalls, pitfalls, and everything else you could fall into. It's, if, if y'all don't mind, I'll jump in right here. But I think what we also need to understand is that mentorship is, is a two-way street. See, a lot of times, especially when we become successful, then we feel like, you know, we, we got it. You know, we have it. We don't need to do anything else. Just keep doing what mm-hmm. you're doing. Keep making your six figures, seven figures, whatever you're doing. And and it is so important for us to also be mentors because mm-hmm. you're going to have those people that are coming out mm-hmm. that don't know anything. Exactly. And they think they know. You know, looking at your poster right there with Jay-Z, I think about he has a, a saying that he says, that I've seen true um, idols become rivals. And I think that's that fear paralyzes us sometimes mm-hmm. into not being mentors. You know, well, if I give them too much information, they may be better than I am. Yeah. You know? And so it's just so important that we give that away. Somebody told me one time, you can only keep what you have by giving it away. Mm-hmm. You know, so I like that. Yeah. Well, I'm already typing up nuggets. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> nuggets. I'm gonna turn that to a jettism. Nuggets. <laughs> What you got? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I I totally agree with uh, what Miss Honeycutt was saying. When you actually mentor someone, you're retraining yourself um, and reminding yourself too of what you're supposed to be doing because it's easier mm-hmm. to say than do. And if you're not a hypocrite, it it kind of gives something to you, but helps you grow at the same time. But there's a reason that there's great school districts and bad school districts, you know, <laughs> that there's projects and, and, and then co-ops and, um, and brokerages that are very successful and have very successful agents and those that don't. Um, and it's really because of things like the mentors and the success of other people. If you are in an environment, you know, one mentor or environment alone where everybody's failing, then even if you have skills, you're not going to be learning as much. But if you're in an environment where somebody's been there, done that, you know, and they can show you and help you and honestly work side by side. So they're not telling you, but they're actually able to see you and be like, ah, I wouldn't have caught that on paper. You know, I wouldn't have caught that if you were describing what you did, but I just saw you do something that you didn't even know that you did that we can help you do a little bit better. Or I just heard that conversation and, and you got a little bit too much uh, aggression in your voice. So you got a little bit too much. So when you have that mentor, you actually have somebody who's personally willing to invest in you and train you and and, and bring you up. Um, but I will say in the environment, you don't want just one mentor because everybody has their own lives. Right? <laughs> you know, like you know, how many people call you be like, oh, I'm here for you. God, I got to go to sleep. Right. <laughs> but um, you know, your financial mentor, your person, your family mentor, if you're married, you know, the, the spouse mentor, the, the people that that parent that's been there, done that mentor to help you with your crazy kid. You know, whatever the the situation is, you want to surround yourself with just great people that can bring value, you know, to you and that 
care about you sincerely. Um, and people that have big hearts, you know, I have a very big heart. I, I mean, I, I just, people are my kryptonite. <laughs> but we look for people that you can sow into and that they receive it. Because we we try to sow into people that think they know it all and they don't receive it. You know, always want to tell you what they're supposed to be doing, but they don't. Or people you can have a four-hour conversation with and they didn't, didn't do what you told them to do. Mm-hmm. And then come back to you and now you have to cure that issue that you helped them or you tried to help them cure a long time ago. Um, but when you have people that are willing to open up and, and be helped and say, help me grow and be there for me and do that, you're like, ah, because it's fulfilling. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's fulfilling. So, yeah, most definitely. That is probably one of the, uh, I really feel like that's one of the things that we miss out on. And for that reason that you talked about where, um, yeah, I like how you threw that Jay-Z line in there. <laughs> um, just about rivals, idols becoming rivals. But you, that takes, I, I'm a tech guy. Um, that's, that's where my home base is. That's what I do. Uh, and one of the things we talk about in tech is always, <clears throat> we always talk about innovation. Uh, there's always something innovative happening in the tech realm. There's, there's going to be, there could be, <clears throat> there's innovation going on right now in the tech realm. So the, on, the only way to get to innovation, though, is collaboration. <clears throat> And the only way to really collaborate at a high level is to communicate. Um, and I say that, too, because I, I wanted to really just bring that up after mentorship because of just on what she said about people not sharing their information. I think you said it, too, Jed, about people not sharing their information. And I just find that strange. Well, out of all the people in the world that don't know what it takes to buy a home and that haven't bought a home yet, is it, does that make, it just doesn't make sense to me that I wouldn't share what I have with you. And maybe that's just because we're, we're cut from a different cloth than everybody else. I'm not, I can tell you everything I know. That's not going to stop me from being successful because I want you to be successful. So I just find that odd. Is that a, is that common in the industry? It's, it, it is. Uh, to answer your question, I, I think so. Um, it's a competitive environment, right? So like I said earlier, no hunt, no kill, no kill, no eat, right? So if we're hunting after the same, the same animal, then if you kill it, then I don't eat. And if yeah. I kill it, you don't eat, right? But what I think what people don't get or don't take in consideration, everybody has to have a place to live. Everybody has to have a roof over their head. So everybody either want a house or a condo or whatever their preference is, they either have it, they want another one, they want to refinance it, whatever. There's, I mean, there's millions of houses out there. It's a big jungle. It's a big jungle, right? So the thing about it is, and like, like they mentioned earlier, when you know something and you could be of value to somebody, then why why not share that? How selfish is that? Like, you know, if I if I teach somebody to how to be a great loan officer. And then they go out, and I give you a perfect example. I had a kid one time; he was 19 years old. I um, had a you know nice truck or whatever, and he kept complimenting me. He see, see my truck, watch, watch, see me washing my truck a few times. And he kept complimenting me on my truck, and he's like, "Well, what do you do?" I said, "Well, I'm a, you know I'm a mortgage mortgage broker." So he uh, he said, "Man, how did you get in that in, in in that business and so forth?" So 19 years old, he was thinking about going to school, but, you know, really hadn't done the necessary preparation to, to get into school and so forth. Kind of just un, unguided, right? Mm-hmm. 
And um, so one of, it's, it's, it was just so rewarding because I told him, I said, look, if you're serious about learning this business, if you're serious about it, meet me at my house 8 o'clock Monday morning. And he was like, all right. I said, I'm not going to ask you again. Like, I'm not, I'm, if you're not there at 8 o'clock, then we will never talk about you coming to this business again. I, 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 want, I need to see how, how hungry you are, how eager you are willing to, uh, how eager you want to learn this business. So make a long story short, he showed up to my house at 8 o'clock Monday morning. And I just started training them. I started with the foundation. And like Lisa said, that when you're mentoring somebody, when you're training somebody, um, it brings you back to your foundation, right? Mm-hmm. So you pick, you, you kind of remember those those steps that you now you you skip over, right? Mm-hmm. But you, that's necessary, right? <laughs> so I was, you know, I'm training him. I trained him for six months, um, and he just he went. I started getting him some. I bought some leads from him and so forth. I taught him how to talk on the phone. I taught him how to basically how to build a rapport with somebody. You get it, somebody, as soon as they say hello, you have seven, seven seconds to capture their attention, to keep them on the phone, right? Mm-hmm. They don't want to talk to you. They eating dinner, they feeding the kids, whatever, right? So you got seven seconds to capture their attention. I told him, start from the basics all the way up. So his first loan, he made good money. And then within, this guy made, in nine months, he made six figures. Wow. And just to see him with no guidance, didn't have much at all because he, you know, he had he had humble beginnings like like me, coming from East Oakland, California. <laughs> so um, just to see just to see his 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 growth, right? No guidance, no you know, no, nothing really to look forward to, right? Just just in a you know, filling no space, kind of just an unknown area, right? And to see him go from there to be able to make you know, six figures, help his family out, help his mom out, um, you know, is that was one of the most rewarding things I've ever experienced in my life. And it's, you know, it's, it's no better feeling than that to, to add value to somebody. Like my whole, my, we mentioned purpose earlier. I think my purpose, I just, I just want to add value to as much people as I can. So if I know something that you don't know, I'm going to tell you because I want you to know it, right? Yeah. And it's the same thing. Like if if I there's so many things I don't know, I'm I'm trying to gather that information. I need people to share that with me, right? So um, the market is competitive, but people just don't realize that it's so much business out there. And you know, the more you help people, I, I find that the more you help people, the more you get in return. Damn. The same way you you uh, you have to have an open hand to receive, right. you also have to have one to give to. Exactly. So I mean, it's a two way. St- you hit it. You hit it, uh, the nail on the head. It is a two way street. I just found it odd, and, and you run into it in every industry. So mm-hmm. it's not yeah. necessarily specific to the mortgage industry. But I was just I was just curious because it's just crazy. Just uh, everybody's said it in one way or another. Everybody needs a house and the lack of education out there on the home buyer side mm. that it's like, dude, I want to tell, I want to, my thought process would be, I want to educate as many people in the industry as possible so we can get these people in, get these people in homes. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I just find that odd. Um, let's, let's talk about this. We talked about mm-hmm. how to become a loan officer or a realtor and just from the entrepreneur aspect Let's uh let's spend the rest of this time educating potential home buyers out there. You guys, you guys down for that? Yeah. Sure. Um, so I I just have a few questions. Mm-hmm. Please feel free if it's something that you even if you want to ask uh, ask a follow up to somebody on the panel. Please 
feel free if you want to ask a question yourself too. Uh, so I'm going to start off. My, my first thing is, I think we, we hit on it uh, early on, but how important is financial education uh, for a potential home buyer? <laughs> Do you want to start? Um, I might have a different, a different thing for that. If somebody wants to buy a home, I mean, honestly, call me. <laughs> 469-447-378. No, honestly. But if somebody wants to buy a home, they really just need a great real estate broker. If you have a illness, you go to the doctor, you don't have to know how to do surgery. The doctor can help you. You know, if you have a financial advisor for one, whatever, you go to the professional and that's what they do. You hire an attorney, that's what they do. If you need your taxes done, you go to CPA, that's what they do. It's not your job to know the laws and everything else. You know, the unfortunate part is, is that there's a lot of realtors that are out there, especially with the social media stuff that have great marketing skills and don't know how to write a contract. And that's real. They know how to market. That's what they do. And they are representing people, advertising and honestly, miseducating the consumer thing, and we're 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 hey, 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 uh, house hunters. We don't hunt houses. We we negotiate. <laughs> mm-hmm. We you know um, we save homes. We stop foreclosures. You know we we deal with land development and and commercial leases and all that. But it is very important for I think the public to know that you don't have to have money down to buy. You know you don't have to have an eight hundred FICO score. There are loan there are loan programs that are not score driven. There are loan programs that go down to 550. There are loan programs that go to 580. But if you have a 620, you might be golden, you know, in mm-hmm. some territories. So uh, don't don't self-diagnose yourself. It, don't tell yourself that you can't buy a home. Don't start with the credit repair thinking you need credit, and they don't know what you need for the loan. Um, so there's basic things that I think the world should be educated about. Yeah. And that's one everybody's ready to buy a home. I, I, I know the loan officers may, may say that a little bit differently. But everybody is ready to buy a home. If you are renting, you are buying. You're just buying somebody else's. And you may not be able to do it today, but you can be on a program to have that done in the next six months or a year. Um, There's things, and I I won't take up all of this, but it's talking to me on my passion right now. (laughs) Um, You know, in our culture, we're all black here. You know what I mean? And and kindness has no color. Different things have no color. But there are certain ethnicities that generationally are educated about business and are educated about <clears throat> home ownership and stocks and bonds and all that. And the African-American population is doesn't have the same generational education when it comes to home ownership. And then on top of that, we've been miseducated to be fearful yeah. Be nervous, be very intimidated, and everything else. And I'm gonna say this: If how many cars have people bought? Ten? Is it was was the difference? You know, you do your 1003, your your name, address, social, birth date. You do your social security, and you prove everything that you said, and you buy a house. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, education is it's not the education of how to buy a house that's needed. It's the education that we need to get out there to say you can buy a house. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's, that's what I would say. Just to piggyback on that, um, I see it, and this is, this is my passion too, um, I see it all the time, every day. I pull, I, in my career, I've pulled about 20,000 credit bureaus. Um, 
I see it all the time. It's it's people, like I said earlier, people don't know what they don't know, right? So in, in speaking on, on our culture, um, I had bad credit before I even had credit. My mom put a garage door in my mom in my name, and and, and, next, and next thing you know, I go apply this like, well, you already you already got credit, like you are. I was like, wait a minute, like this bill, like I don't even know about that. You know, you mean to tell me I was paying for that garage door? So, so they don't really teach it in school. You have to be, you have, you're right. You have to be financial, financially educated, right? So even, and I think, I think this is wrong. Forgive me, realtors in a, in a room, but. People go to the realtors right. to look for a house, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they can't show you a house or find you a house if you're not approved, right? So the first thing when somebody comes to her, first thing she does is, is get them over to her loan officer to find out, can they qualify, right? Mm-hmm. So what we do is we qualify them to purchase a home. We mm-hmm. have to tell them how much they can afford, right? Um, and it's a lot of people that can afford a house, they didn't know that they could afford a house. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are private. A lot of people are scared. A lot, I get it all the time where they're like, well, I don't want you to pull my credit, Jay, because I'm working on things. Well, how, you, how do you know what you need to work on? Like, I'm a professional. I've been doing this for a long time. I can look at your credit bureau is going to tell me a story, right? So if you're working on your credit and it's taking you eight months to, to do something that you think you need to do, it might be a waste of eight months. I could pull your credit and, and literally in five minutes, I could tell you just from the naked eye what you need to do to get you to give me for me to get you approved for a home loan. Mm-hmm. Or if I can't figure it out in the naked eye, I, I run it through my credit simulator. I say, hey, we need 50 more points. I put 50 points in there, hit a button. And it tells me precisely they pay $127 on this account, $16 on this account. Then their, their score will go up 50 points. Yep. Right. Hmm. So. It's all about seeing what you seeing where you are now. You have to find out where you are now. So so therefore you can either know that you can get a, a proof right now for a home or you can have a blueprint, a detailed step by step blueprint of what you need to do in this amount of time so I can get you approved for a home loan. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have 89 lenders. If I can't get you approved, nobody can. I have every residential mortgage program available. I got VA loans at 100 percent that go down to 500 credit score. I just closed one. Guy had a 515 credit score. Wow. VA loan, 100% financing, came to closing with $372 Mm. on a $275,000 house. And he had, and this is an older gentleman, um, he had no idea that he could afford a house. When he, I had to, I literally had to talk him for like, talk him into allowing me to pull his credit. I said, let me see where you are. We're on the phone, so evidently you have an idea that you want a house, right? Mm-hmm. You've been paying rent for, so, for, for this long. You're paying $1,800 a month in rent. I can get you a $270,000 house for that much, mm-hmm. right? So let me see where you are. So I put his credit, analyzed the situation, mm-hmm. and I'm like, sir, you're good to go. He was dumbfounded because he didn't know, right? Or vice versa, if, if he wasn't good to go, so I can't get you approved right now. But here's what we need to do. I need you to do this, 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 and this, and this. And if you follow those steps and keep everything in line, in four or five months, by the summertime, you'll be approved for a home, and then you can start building a home or pick out a home, right? Wow. So, the, so being financially ed- educated, and it's, it's not about, you, you also have to con- consider, it's, which is a huge thing, your debt-to-income ratio. Mm-hmm. I had a guy, he had an $800 car note. 
And he's like, well, I want this house. Well, sir, if you had a $400 car note, you can afford this house. But since your car note is $800, you can only afford this. Your house has to be $50,000 less, right? Yeah. I mean, which means a different neighborhood, different school, and everything else for your kids. Mm-hmm. So it's about knowing where you are financially, credit-wise, and so forth. And then going to the right people that has your best interest in mind, picking the right people. So when they qualify you, you're truly qualified. You're not like the person I was talking to earlier that built a house and then a week before they closed, they, they, their loan got denied by the underwriter. So picking the right loan officer, picking the right realtor and so forth. And then once we approve you, yeah, you feel, feel free to go take your golden ticket and go shop for a home. Yeah, that was, that was rough. You know what was dope was um, the jetism that you posted last week, I think, where you had specifically told your client not to use any of her credit cards. And she went and like made a $43 purchase or something like that, and it dropped her score. Yeah, it dropped her score 26 points because she didn't think, she was like, well, I tell all my clients, keep everything the same, right? You're approved right now. I, you can, you can uh, get denied. If, if you're approved, you can unapprove yourself. Right? <laughs> as long as everything stays the same, you will be approved, right? I will get you this, I will get you the keys to your house. You can unimprove yourself. So she, I told her not to use her credit card. She went and spent $400 on a tank of gas or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, it's so small. It was so small that I didn't think it was going to affect anything. It's not, the, the credit scoring has nothing to do with the dollar amounts. A $10,000 bad debt on your credit bureau is equivalent to a $1,000 bad debt. It's about the ratio. So that small $43 put her in a, in a different ratio, which caused her score to drop 26 points. And then wow. I had to fix it, but, you know, I had to chastise her also. <laughs> I got you. Mark, you have anything on the financial education? You know, to be honest with you, I mean, they pretty much touched it all. Now, I'm a different breed, and I think we're all saying the same thing here. Uh, I am I am that loan officer that will tell you you don't need a house. I, will, I am that guy. Now, what I do, because what it is, is that, you know, in this industry, it's not a cookie cutter uh, industry. Every every everybody is unique. It's a it's, it's the loan officer and the realtor's duty to put you in the right vehicle. OK, mm-hmm. I can put you in the house, but I build relationships. I, I'm not just trying to get your deal. You know what I mean? I'm trying to do what's best for you. I, I don't need your check. I'm going to get it somewhere else. You understand? So a lot of times if you come to the situation and you don't have any money to put toward a house, you don't need a house. Now, let me put you in a bond program that you don't have to spend no money. There's a difference from coming. And I've had clients that, you know, that feel that they shouldn't have to spend anything. Don't ever want to pay for their out. The only out of pocket expense that I needed them to pay for was an appraisal. And they didn't have $500 to pay for an appraisal. If you can't pay for a $500 appraisal, you don't need a house. Okay, you need to educate yourself on what it requires to maintain the house, you know. So you could get anything. And if if it's going into foreclosure in six to nine months and then, you know, it negates the whole the whole process. And now you got yourself in a pickle because you're not going to be able to buy another house until that's foreclosure is seasoned. You understand? Mm -hmm. So what I tell people. 
before you, you know, uh, and Unique kind of spoke to it before before you do anything, you, you want to do your own due diligence. OK. And the reason why you want to do that, especially being that we live in the world that we live, that technology and uh, everything is so uh, accessible. You know, you can't learn everything there, but you you can get basic knowledge. So when you do talk to a loan officer or you do talk to a realtor, you make sure that they're, what they're telling you is in your best interest. You know, so have an idea in anything in life. You know, if you want to buy a car, you whatever you're going to buy, you have an idea in your mind. You know, and if it's nothing more than talking to, uh, you know, talking to Jonathan that just bought a house last week. Hey, man, what did you need? You know what I mean? Before you go talk to that loan officer. Now, don't, Jonathan is not the loan officer. So you need to speak to the loan officer that is versed in, you know, in, in every unique situation and um, and go from there. But, you know, it's basic information that you need is, is you know, your W-2s, tax returns, you know, your, your reserves and everything like that that you'll get from a loan officer. Allow that loan officer to uh, take an analysis of your credit. Like you don't have to have perfect credit. That is definitely a myth. And everybody, you know, um, you know, kind of get misconstrued with that. You don't have to have perfect credit. But if you if you have multiple lates on, on things and judgments and collections, you might reevaluate it. Hey, you not you like uh, D was saying mm-hmm. uh, was saying that, you know, you, you qualify for a house. You might not need you might not qualify right at this moment or you might not need this house right at this moment. But, you know, let's get you on the proper path to get you to where, you know, not only can get a house, but you can get the house that you want and you can maintain that house. You know, so it, it, it only thing I had to say to everything that they d- just said is just, you know, to, to educate yourself and uh, don't go in blind. You know, if you're going to the house is an investment. So if you know, if you're going to invest in yourself, you know, you're going to prepare for it. You're going to you know, you're going to take some self preparation for it. Gotcha. Yeah. You got anything you need? Uh, they said it all. <laughs> I concur. Uh, the one thing I wanted to add, though, if you don't mind, it's crazy because um, over 70 percent of Americans don't have a thousand dollars, you know, in their savings account. So when people think that, you know, they need money, I think this is a good set. Um, Go banking rates survey basically did a survey and they said 35 percent of all adults in the U.S. only have a few hundred dollars. Thirty four more percent have less than $1,000 or have zero. <laughs> so if you have 100 and several have zero, only 15% of the American population has over $10,000 stashed away, and that includes retirement accounts, 401 accounts, and, and everything. So there's approximately 70, 000, 70% of people that don't have $1,000 in their savings account, but I will say that when people want to buy a home, they make stuff happen. They reevaluate their finances. You know, they'll start saving. They'll start budgeting. They'll start doing a lot when they have that goal in mind. So I believe that we really need to educate more people that it is possible. You know, you're going check to check, buying cars, buying clothes, buying all of this stuff. You know, you may even own a house. There's even successful people that own homes. You, you could buy a second one. You know, you could buy. And, and there's those mogul people that are all the way around traveling the world. That's fine. Have a condo. For when you place down, you know, you have grandparents, whatever, get, get your grandkids a condo where they're going to school at. Um, just like they buy cars, just like they buy bags, just like they buy shoes. This is an appreciating asset. But the majority of the world uh, in the U.S. starts with less than $1,000 in savings. And when they want to buy that house, 
they then begin to reevaluate their financial situation and their credit. And it's only that that actually kickstarts. Absolutely. Absolutely, what she said. So what what she basically was saying, what it boils down to is that it comes to when you want to prioritize. It's, it's prioritizing is what it is. It's not that you you can't afford the house, but like you said, you're buying it in unappreciated, things that do not appreciate. Okay, so you, you have to, again, invest in yourself. So you quit going out every weekend, spending two or $300, put that in the savings toward an asset, you know, three to six months down the road. You know, if we do the math on that, that's eight hundred dollars a month. Eight, eight, you know, you do that for a year, and then okay, now you have a down payment. So it becomes a priority. You know, it has to be a priority. Don't think you're going to walk into a home, uh, you know, and not being prepared. You prepare for everything else. You know, you prepare for that job. You know, you prepare for it. You educate yourself in being in, in the position to, you know, get the position that you want. So the house is is it, it's a precious commodity. It does appreciate. You're always going to get money back from that. You know what I mean? Every dime that you get in, put into a house, you're going to receive. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it becomes a, it, it, you have to prioritize if you're looking to purchase a house. I just want to piggyback real quick on what Arthur said and Delisa. Because um, I had a conversation on Tuesday. Uh, with gentleman, I was talking to a gentleman. He's pre-approved and everything. Um, as a matter of fact, it's the same guy that was pre-approved for the house before. And then and, and now we're getting a new house, right? So I said, well, you have to pay for your appraisal. And he's like, the house is brand new. Why do you need an appraisal? <laughs> is that my client? <laughs> so, so I said, excuse me. He said, it's a brand new house, man. He's like, why do you need an appraisal? Like, they, they, can't they just come on and see that it's a brand new house? Every, neighbor, every house in the neighborhood is brand new. And so, yeah, it was funny. But I, was, I, was, I say that to say that... People just don't know because, like Arthur mentioned earlier, yeah, there's millions and millions of dollars of, of bond money, grant money, and so forth to help you out, right? Mm-hmm. But guess what? That's for your down payment. They might even be, you might even get a, I, I could take a veteran. I'm a veteran, so I, you know, I know the, the, a veteran could get 100% financing, right? 100% financing. That means that his down payment, he doesn't have one, Right. 100% financing. That and and the VA loans are 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 the interest rates a lot lower. So what I can do is because my interest rates are so low with the lenders, then I can give him lender credit to cover all his closing costs, right? But he still has to have an inspection on the house and he still has to have an appraisal on the house. So to uh to go with uh Delisa was saying like most people don't have, you know, 2 or 300 dollars in their savings account or what have you. There's there's some money out of your pocket when you want to buy a house. I mean, you buy a car, you're paying tax title. Like you got to put something down, right? So you got to have at least. I mean, even if you was in a perfect scenario, you still would have to pay for an inspection and appraisal and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. So I just you know people just need to realize and like Arthur said, prepare themselves to when they want a house. The motivation is the house, and it's, a, it's a, such a huge motivation because I've seen people completely change the way they think about finances because they, them and their wife or whatever, they want this house. So they're willing to cut out a lot of stuff to, to make sure they're ready and prepared to purchase this house, right? Yeah. So, that's, so that's the motivation, but you have, to, you have to have that mindset to be willing to make the necessary adjustments to prepare yourself for the house. And that starts with having at least some money in the bank. You got to invest in yourself. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You, you want to invest in yourself in anything you do. There's, there's nothing good. Well, let's just put it like this. 
There's nothing that you will accomplish in your life that will not re- that that you're going to be proud of that will not require some type of skin in the game from you. Mm-hmm. Whether it's your initial investment into starting your own business, whether it's you training somebody else to help them start their own business, whether you're putting your down payment money down, paying mm-hmm. for your appraisal, you're going to have to have some type of skin in the game in order to get some of these things that you want. And that's something that I think a lot of people miss. They just feel like, oh, there's down payment assistance. What you need my money for? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, well, my realtor, do, now do I have to pay you? <laughs> you know, I've heard that before. Oh, now, do, is this coming out of my money? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, ma'am, I'm selling your house, right? You, Your husband died. The house has to go. Everything needs to, to leave. I have to make a, you know, money for my services that I'm offering. So, yes, there will be some skin in the game that's going to be required. I think a lot of times, though, when we sit back and look at the whole picture, life is going to happen anyway. OK, a lot of times people will sit back and say, oh, I can't afford to do an appraisal. I can't afford to do that. I can't afford to get life insurance. I can't afford to do this. Guess what? Life is going to happen anyway. And either you're going to put some skin in the game and you're going to have some things or you're not. and You're going to stay where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let that transmission go out. I bet you come yeah, up. With, exactly. I bet you come up with that. So, so, so yeah. one thing I do want to cover, Jonathan, because I mean, the whole show, the nature of the show is educating herself in the finances. It, not only I want unique to also speak about because she's also an insurance agent, and there's insurance coverages that will cover your house in case. Because one thing for sure is we're all going to die. Okay, Father Time is undefeated. Your day is coming. You never know when you're going to go. But there are things in in place. And it also speaks to what Dee is saying as far as only having a couple of hundred dollars in our bank and and sometimes uh, the underprivileged or the uneducated or in this particular case, African-American or other minorities. Let's just say minorities. I'm going to keep the race out of just other minorities. Um, Some of the other the cultures have bigger head starts because they have these type um, insurance programs uh, in, in place, life insurance and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. I have multiple houses and that's my insurance plan. But I just called Unique the other day to get another plan, you know, just to cover it. And, and but there's there's policies in hand because if you are married and have a spouse and you lose your spouse and, and, and say, for instance, you're a stay home husband or a stay home woman, you're going to lose. You, there's a, a, a big possibility that you're going to lose that house. There's programs that that she can. There's programs that she can uh, kind of educate us on that that helps in those type of situations. Absolutely. So, so I would say to anyone that's purchasing a home uh, this year, um, get some mortgage protection. It's called mortgage protection. Typically, it's it's, it's a term policy um, that's good for thirty years. Most mortgages don't go longer than thirty years. Um, you can also get a 15 year um, uh, mortgage protection plan. But at the end of the day. If you don't make it to pay off that mortgage, who's going to be responsible for that cost? Um, I see people all the time. They We high-fiving at the closing table. All right, we got your house. And I had a client about seven months ago who I just saw a year and a half ago who was nothing was wrong with her. Okay. All of a sudden, 43 years old and just dropped dead. Okay. Got a brand new mortgage. The mortgage is only two years old or a year and a half old. So what happens during that time? Um, her her kids aren't can't pay for that. She was a single mother. I mean, proud to to just be. I made it. I bought a house. I did it. Now, what's next? Well, what's next is is getting some life insurance in place. Unfortunately, um, she was my client on the on the sale side. 
but she wasn't my client. I'm sorry, on the purchase side, but she was not my client on the life insurance side. So, um, you know, some things had to be moved around. A lot of times people say, oh, well, I've got insurance through my job. You know, my job's going to cover it, everything. That's mm-hmm. not true. Mm-hmm. If you leave that job or if you get fired or in my mom's case, if you become disabled, okay, and you can't work, then that insurance that you have at that job mm-hmm. is not going to be there anymore. It's gone. When you leave, that insurance leaves. So if you have something just at work mm-hmm. and you have a mortgage, get mortgage protection. Get you a policy. Uh, term policies are very inexpensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking $25, $30 for like $100,000, $200,000 worth of coverage. That way you know when something happens to you, oh, I've got some life insurance that's going to pay off this house so my kids won't have to mm-hmm. you know, relocate and move to different schools. And, you know, so that's always a part. And a lot of these financial literacy things, I just I just did a seminar at a church um, on last Sunday. And we talked about the things that you brought up in that article. As a matter of fact, we talked about that specific article. And a lot of times like that goes back to what I was saying about life is going to happen. You will move some things around. We need to learn how to move the things around that are the most important. So, yeah, get some life insurance. Yeah. OK, uh, that's important. Mm-hmm. It is. I I was. Asking uh, my my children's mom, she she sells insurance, but I was asking my mom, I was just talking to her about insurance and being a mother. She made her motherly comment, well, that's that's responsible of you. She's being condescending, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we'll but, talk before I leave then. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I want to I wanna leave that segment with this. The cost of getting lit, $20 to park, uh, $20 club admission. $150 drinks at the club, $15 for food, <laughs> subtotal $205, $205 subtotal, 104 nights, that's Fridays and Saturdays, that's for a year. Total yearly lit expenses, $21,320. 5% down payment on a $450 home, $450,000 home is $22,500. One year of partying. One year of partying. Stay at home, save your money. <laughs> and the cost of a realtor, if you are buying a home, could be zero out of your pocket nice. if you were buying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Absolutely. That was pretty deep. Absolutely. Um, prioritize. Well, yeah. That's why I, did, I put that up there. Yeah, prioritize. It is, that was pretty real. Uh, I know that I started checking my, checking my boxes off. Like I need to get my life together over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I tell you what, as a as a loan officer or a realtor, I, I think you guys have hit on this, but just make it as clear as possible. And so let me let me preface this with this. I want to roll back the conversation just a little bit. Um, we all are African American here. It is true. Uh, we talked about it on a couple on the couple of the uh, other episodes where we just talked about being an entrepreneur and how where we saw if we saw our parents doing a side hustle or something like that, it was to bridge. It wasn't it wasn't necessarily ever to say, okay, I'm gonna I'm doing this now and then when I get to this point, I'm gonna feel comfortable leaving my job because I want to have my own business. My father always told me, um, he said the only way to the only, re- the only way to really be free is to have your own economic base. Now, granted, he never showed me how to do that. Uh, he gave me that nugget of wisdom. And I'm, I'm in my 40s now, and I've, I've done things over the years, but now it's never become 
uh, as, as prevalent as it's been in the forefront of my thoughts, the older my kids are getting, um, but also seeing that how it's an entrepreneur's market right now, the world, uh, the millennials, I mean, that generation, uh, I can't even, I don't even know what the percentage is right now, but it is a great percentage, a great deal of them are venturing into entrepreneurship. And then on the transverse side of the spectrum, you're looking at retirees are the new, they're becoming the new entrepreneurs mm-hmm. because the millennials are basically running them out of the marketplace and they're getting retired or they can't deal with the kids in, them, in the workspace. And so they retire and now they're, they're starting their own business. So um, I just say that to say, I'm saying, saying that to say this, when we speak, that is one of the reasons that is one of the reasons that uh, I started this is because I felt like in our community there weren't there weren't and he he ladies and gentlemen Sam Jackson just walked in the room <laughs> impress entertainment uh, you can catch Sam on episode two of uh, the Get Back Show We Own the Night he was on there. Loud and proud. Uh, But that was one of the reasons I started is because I felt like we needed to, that information needed to be out there, but also there's a generation, a generation coming up that a budding generation of young brothers and sisters that need that information too. And even the retirees too, uh, to say, hey, you can go out there and do it. And and buying a home is a is a big thing too. I I want my kids to be to be knowledgeable enough to go out and purchase a home in their twenties to be prepared to purchase a home in their 20s. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, the preparation process, we talked about that. Uh, what's, your ideal, what's your ideal buyer? What's, a, what's an ideal potential buyer? An educated buyer. You know, it, it's, it's no ideal buyer. You know, it's no such thing. You know, a lot of times an ideal buyer is somebody maybe already has been through the process. That they're financially, you know, financially prepared. They're, you know, they know what the pitfall is going to be. So, you you know, that has all their ducks in the line. I've had, I, I'm at a different state. You know, Jet and I are both in the same industry. We have similar client bases, but I, we have different client bases on, on majority of our transactions. You know, uh, it doesn't matter. It, it's not saying anything from one about one to the other, but I'll get like, I got nine files yesterday. Okay. <laughs> I got nine files because I landed this, this well of a real estate group. Okay. Every one of those guys came over with, with 800 credit scores, two or $300,000 in the bank, you know, salaries of, you know, a couple of hundred grand that when I say, Hey, listen, John, I need you to send you send me your documentation. I give them a laundry list of what I need. And that stuff was there in five minutes because they have access to it. You know, they had access to it. They knew exactly. They kept everything on soft copy the way it should be. W-2s, tax returns and everything, because they, they that is their life. You know, that is that is their life. So, you know, that is an ideal buyer in my mind. You know, but, you know, there's I'm sure, you know, everybody else has a, a different view of of what an ideal buyer may may look like. Okay. My my ideal client is um, whoever I'm on the phone with. <laughs> That's the <basically. laughs> So and 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 I I have I have clients that go from like Arthur was talking about with you know 800 credit scores. They you send them a list of things. They label everything. Everything is perfect. They they shoot it right back to you immediately. 
There's no problem. The debt to income ratio is 20%, 800 credit score. They can get any house they want, right? And then I have clients that, you know, it's more trouble clients. Is their, their credit scores are, are a challenge and so forth. Um, I look at it, I, I've learned to look at it like, because when I first got in this business, my first mortgage company, that's all we did was pretty much mobile homes. Wow. And, and our lowest interest rate was 1099 and our and our average loan size was sixty thousand dollars. Now our commission structure was so crazy that if you did five of those, you made like ten thousand dollars a month because that was back in the day, right? So I've learned to look at it, and I've done the I think the largest house I've ever financed was four million dollars, right? So I've done the I have even in my my pipeline right now I have doctors, and I have school teachers, and I have uh, I have a, a janitor. It's everybody because the way I see it is if I'm if somebody's purchasing a $75,000 house and then I have another client that's purchasing a million dollar house, guess what? That house for that 75,000 that $75,000 house for that client is just as important to him as that million dollar house is to my doctor, mm-hmm. right? So everybody is 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 on different levels as far as finances and everything else, but they all want the same thing. They all want a roof over their head. So I'm not going to turn down. Yes, I make you know more money on this client, but I'm not going. I'm not going to treat anybody any different, or I'm not going to turn down any business, uh, even if I have to work on some things and, and educate them more. That's that's what I, I I like that. I enjoy educating people on on the home buying process and so forth. So I'm not going to turn anybody down because everybody's house is just as important as the next person's house to them. So. My client, ideal. my ideal client is whoever I'm on the phone with, but just make it easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> just, just give me the documents I need. <laughs> That's so funny. And quit asking questions. If I ask you for all the pages of the bank statement, don't send me the, a screenshot of the first page. I'm like, no, I need all pages. Like, help me help you. <laughs> what about you, um, Well, you know, I... I own a Remax franchise. We are the number one most recognized real estate brand in the world. Um, my office specifically, we speak seven different languages. So Indian, different, and Indian has several different languages of that, but Indian, English, of course, Portuguese, Spanish, Filipino, Vietnamese, and Chinese. Uh, there's a different personality for any buyer who wants to buy or any seller. We represent um, developers, investors, uh, first-time buyers, <laughs> generational buyers, uh, senior citizens, um, luxury homes. So there's a there's a diverse range, but I think it's more so the people. And I always say, willing, ready, and able. <laughs> um, willing is you know basically that person who's willing to be educated. And there's a difference between education and ignorance. Somebody could be as educated and and degreed up and PhD'd and JD'd and all of that, but they may be ignorant because this is not their industry or what they do. But we want that person who's willing to listen to the professional and willing to be educated and guided because they hire us to advise them. So so take what we got the information we have to give them. Um, able. Um, ability to sustain. Mm. You know, they may not be able to buy when they start. They may not have that savings, you know, 2000 3000 when they start. But we can work with a buyer through the down payment assistance programs. All different lenders have different programs. But able to sustain it, the house, once they get in it. If that mindset is there where they're not willing to give up the, 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 the car they can't afford 
and this house that they're able to sustain the purchase so that they're not going into foreclosure or or having some spousal issues over finances or things like that. So, um, and then last but not least, we said, uh, you know, ready, and that's ready to do the work. And, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is ready to get the lender the information they need, ready to be responsive to the things that are needed, ready to cut down or or budget, ready to pay your deposit or your earnest money, ready to do what it takes. So willing, ready, and able would be, you know, basically that 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 ideal client. But uh, it's luxury service for every lifestyle, regardless. That's good. Unique. She can. As I put on my jacket. <laughs> Make sure I get some good ones in there. Like Sorry. Um, <clears throat> I, oh, oh, I'm, my go. bad. You I forgot I had to pop you my collar in here. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't have an ideal buyer seller. Um, what I do have is ideal people that I like to work with, regardless of the industry, mm-hmm. um, and and that would be people that are determined. I think is the best way to put it because I don't want I, I don't necessarily go over um, bend over backwards for people that are not determined to do something themselves. Mm-hmm. That that kind of drives me. I like that guy who you know has that five eighty credit score and he never thought he could buy a house, but he was determined he's gonna get one because somebody told him that he could get a house now. Mm-hmm. So that's why he came to see Arthur, because Arthur Unique told me <laughs> that you were the one and you could make it happen. And, you know, that's the guy that's going to send you his paperwork in five minutes. That's going to um, uh, answer your phone calls and return your text messages and um, make sure he's, he's calling. Hey, is everything OK? Do y'all need anything else? Yeah. Were you able to get that done? Um, so I'm meeting with my realtor tomorrow. Uh, so I got my credit. Is my credit everything okay? Did you need my most? Re- I just got paid yesterday. <laughs> you need my most recent paycheck stuff. I drive it over to <laughs> yeah. right. and I can bring it by there if you if y'all aren't receiving faxes right now. Um, I like that person, but you know I will take the other ones too. You know. There's some value to be added to all of them. Mm -hmm. There's some growth that I'm going to experience from all of them. Mm -hmm. You know, I may not experience as much growth as I need to experience to get me to my next level to remove my lid um, by dealing with that easy person, that 800 credit score that, you know, yeah, he had all the information. He was pretty much set. That may not be what I need to get my growth level to the next point. You know, or maybe it's time for me to be on cruise control. And that was exactly what I needed at the moment. Mm -hmm. So. I think I concur with with Arthur in saying there's really not an ideal uh, buyer, but there is um, many things that can be learned from any situation that would make it uh, ideal later on. Of course, when you look at it in hindsight, you'd be like, man, I'm sure glad I had that VA guy who, you know, had the the the, the this problem and that problem. And you look, sit back and you look at that stuff because if he didn't have that experience, he wouldn't know how to approach that next time. Gotcha. And we're constantly learning. You know, as a as a result. So I think none of us really have the ideal, but I think, you know, we kind of learned something along the way for all of it. Gotcha. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. You ever thought about doing comedy? <laughs> <laughs> you My got grandmother timing. would be all right with that. You, you got timing. You, you have some time in there. You have some time in there. Real quick, uh, we never want to get out of here without leaving you guys with, with a little wisdom. I know there's a lot of information passed over the last couple hours, but really quick, you want to leave the people with something? 
Uh, I would just say whatever your dreams are, whatever your hopes are, whatever you aspire to be, don't let anybody convince you that that's not what you should be doing. Um, where you are right now in your life does not determine where you're going to be. Um, and I would say also um, get some life insurance. Um, <laughs> get some life insurance. www.rlsforlife.com. Uh, you can go in there and get your free quote. It takes about three minutes for you to get your family covered. And thank y'all for having me. That's where Get Your Life takes on the new meaning, right? <laughs> um, well, just, just to add to it, I mean, seriously, there are people that are available to help you and to be kind to you and that want to be kind to you. Search out those people um, and they can, they can help you along the way. But don't be afraid and know we're here, we're working, and some people are just going through the same cycle every single day. And I just want to say, I mean, you know, Everybody needs a pot to piss in and a window to throw it out of, <laughs> seriously. And and home ownership does offer so much, it offers stability to the community. You know, great school, grades get better, equity, leaving your inheritance, um, better health. I mean, there's so many stats and numbers. For us personally, I, I do say every realtor is not the same. Every loan officer is not the same. And... You know, I pray and hope that you end up in the hands of a great one, you know, and great ones that actually make a difference because 20% of us do 80% of the work and 80% of the others kind of make some people look bad. So mm -hmm. definitely find any one of us, um, you know, on our Instagram, social medias, whatever the case is. But we have uh, some people here at this table and I've been with a lot of people and I definitely would say there there's some good people that really know their stuff and really care about the people. Thank you. Gotcha. Well, I want to say, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, it was a pleasure. Um, <laughs> whether you're looking to purchase a home or just better yourself in life or any aspect in general, I would say educate yourself. Uh, you know, it's a cliche, knowledge is power, but it's absolutely true. Um, learn, educate yourself, learn from your mistakes, learn from your failures. Um, I always say, you know, I have a saying that says, um, the the storm that you're in is just it's only there to provide the water that you need to grow mm -hmm. right so no matter if you made mistakes in the past whether it be credit you're looking to purchase a home or in life in general just learn from those mistakes um and get better and then the smart person learns learn from other people's mistakes if somebody's you know purchased a home and and they had you know a bad experience learn what was the bad experience and find out how what you need to do to to make things better you know what i'm saying give it a you know a, a loan officer that is educated and 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 not going to pre-approve you for a $300,000 house and you don't, you don't qualify. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, just, you know, just get better, learn from everything that you're going through. And it, it all starts, it all starts with a mindset. Okay. Whether you want to purchase a home or what have you, you have to change your mindset to change your circumstances. Mm -hmm. There you go. Absolutely. And, and definitely the segue of, of what Jess said. I mean, uh, positive energy breeds positive energy. Surround yourself with positive people. Educate yourself. Be passionate about whatever it is that you're going to do. Get up every day looking at the glass half full. We all have bad days. It's going to happen, you know, but find a lesson in that, you know, in, in as far as the, the home ownership and everything, invest in yourself, guys. This is the biggest purchase you'll ever make in your entire life. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the biggest purchase you'll ever make in your entire life. Educate yourself and invest in that. You know, it's going to it's gonna be always going to be fruitful and rewarding. And like Dee was saying, don't look at just buying one. Start with one a day. 
Get you, you know, start looking for some second home, some residual income, you know. Um, you know, it's it's a lot out there, you know, that can be done. It, and it starts wherever you want it to start. It, you just have to start. Just have to start somewhere. That's perfect because I'm going to end with the beginning starts with deciding to. Uh, and that's where a lot of us miss out at is you point you hit on that earlier when you said decide to. That's one of my favorite things. The beginning starts with deciding to. And once you decide to, you got to jump, man. You got to jump. And jumping, what jumping does for you, it initiates your becoming. And once you get into it, you need to know this. And, and, and I think that we all miss, we've missed this at certain points in our lives. You don't have to be perfect to start. There's a lot of people that never get started because they think that the situation has to be perfect. Um, when we talked about perfect credit or things like that, or I need this, mm-hmm. it all applies to even even in the home buying process. This is a lesson that can translate uh, from entrepreneurship even into home buying is that you don't have to be perfect to start. There's somebody out there that can help you. Right. Becoming is better than being. Mm-hmm. If you're becoming, that's an actionable item. When you're becoming, that's something that you're doing. You're living when you're becoming. Being is 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 something where you're stagnant. You're stagnant. What happens when you're stagnant and you sit still? You stink and everything else, all the other stuff that goes along. Stagnant water is funky water. Um, Potential. This is the growth mindset. Jet hit on this earlier. Potential is the capacity to develop your skills, whether it be in whatever industry that you're going to be in, but also developing your, you can develop your home buying skills. That's educating yourself, as Arthur spoke to. How far are you willing to stretch yourself? That's growth mindset. How far are you willing to stretch yourself? Are you willing to go beyond the edge and get beyond whatever fearful thoughts you had uh, or trepidation or whatever it was that was holding you back? Are you willing to stretch yourself? And don't forget the yet. You see people that are home buyers. You got friends that own homes. Um, You have friends that are, they're in the same business with you and they're killing it. You the thing is, is that you, you start to compare yourself to them and now you're beating yourself down and you've already started to hit the no button in, in your mind. You've changed your mindset now. You've, you've created a negative environment for yourself. But when you add the yet, you know what? Hey, I don't have a crib like that. I don't have a house like that yet. Or I'm not, I'm not where you are yet. Yet means that I still have the opportunity to get there. There's a, I've, gave, I've given myself an avenue to get to where you are and even further. And last but not least, failure is an action. It's not an identity. We need to remember that. No matter if it's in entrepreneurship, if it's in life, if it's in school, you need to drill that home in yourself and your children and everybody. Failure is an action. And it's not an identity. It does not identify who you are. Some of the greatest, some of the greatest men and women in this world have failed, but they didn't stay there. They got back up and they kept it moving. We wouldn't have some of the, we wouldn't have some of the cures that we have. We wouldn't have some of the technological advances that we've had if people hadn't failed and then said, you know what, I'm gonna keep going. Because that's not who I am. It's just something that happened. So And I just want to leave you guys with this, man. Remember to be kind. We started the show with kindness, Mm -hmm. and we're going to end the show with kindness. Remember to be kind to yourself, be kind to your family, be kind to your friends. Stranger, 
neighbor, whoever it is. Don't forget to be kind. That is the key. Kindness is the key. Uh, and with that, this has been the Get Back Show. And we got another episode in the books, The Mortgage Mindset. You can follow all of these uh, all of these guys, all of my guests on social media. When I make the post, I will definitely tag everybody uh, on social media. If you guys want to give your social media stuff, we can close out with social media information. You know all of your stuff? I do. It's a lot of it, though, man. <laughs> Just uh, give me your IG. And, yeah. and, and, okay, uh, so you can find me at uh, AW The Mortgage Guy on IG, uh, AW The Mortgage Guy on Facebook, uh, AG The Mortgage Guy on Twitter, Google, L- LinkedIn, and another one. AW The Mortgage the Guy. The Mortgage Guy. I'll make it real simple. Just Jet Timmons, uh, J E T, capital T I M M O N S on Facebook. Then my website is uh, jettimmons.com. Email address is jt at jettimmons.com. And uh, that's it. <laughs> I don't know all the social media stuff. Feel free to email me if you need anything or would like uh, some more information. Support at delisarose.com. S-U-P-P-O-R-T at delisa, D-E-L-I-S-A, rose.com. And you can call me directly at 469-404-7378. Love to help you. And uh, you can, I'm going to keep it simple. You can go to my website, www.r as in real, L as in life, S as in solutions, R-L-S for life, F-O-R-L-I-F-E dot com. You can also, uh, you can also follow us on Facebook at Real Life Solutions as well. And our phone number, office phone number, which is always ready to accept your calls, 972-982-7222. Great. Once again, this is J.P. Green, a.k.a. Mr. Mo Better. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter as such. And also, you can follow The Get Back. Please go follow The Get Back Show on Instagram as The Get Back Show. Uh, And we're on Snapchat. We're on Twitter as The Get Back Show. There's no other show like The Get Back Show. Please subscribe. iTunes, uh, Podbean, uh, Amazon Music, whatever, wherever you listen to podcasts at, you can find us there. We're waiting for you. Have a great week.